Okay, so we're going to look at Lesson 33 today. We're plugging along. We're going to focus on Chapter 7 and Chapter 8 of Zechariah. And this is going to talk about an issue of fasting. He's going to focus on the issue of fasting here. And you're going to see what's going on here in a moment. Fasting is something that we talk about, and there are some who practice it. Uh, fasting is also uh, a discipline, a spiritual discipline. But some people fast for health reasons. I know that uh, even for medical reasons, like whenever I go give blood once every six months, I'm supposed to uh, fast for a certain number of hours before they take my blood. You folks are used to that. And, uh, or if you're having a procedure done or something. And most, but in the church, I think most people don't, re don't really understand fasting anymore. We've kind of gotten away from it. In uh, the time of Christ, even in the time of these folks here in Israel, Everybody understood what fasting was. So that's why you're not going to see a lot of instructions concerning how to fast in the Scripture. But here they're going to talk about the issue of fasting, but we could, well, I'll, I'll wait till we get into the lesson because you can substitute fasting here with anything. So let's take a look at what's going on here. First of all, I want to focus on chapter 7, verses 1 to 7. So let's talk about the issue, the question, the practice of fasting. So here's what Zechariah has written. In the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, which is Chislev. Now the people of Bethel had sent Shizrezar, and boy, these Hebrew names are something else, and their men to entreat the favor of the Lord saying to the priests of the house of the Lord of hosts and the prophets, should I weep and abstain in the fifth month as I've done for so many years? Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me and say to all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh, and, it, and for these 70 years, was it for me that you fasted? When you eat and when you drink, do you eat for yourself and drink for yourself? Were not these words that the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and prosperous with, with her cities around her and the south and the lowland were inhabited? Okay, so let's going on. Here's a question of fasting, all right? So almost two years after the night vision. So it's going to tell you specifically when this happens. This is two years after he has the eight night visions. Men came from Bethel, which would have been to the north, okay, to the north of Jerusalem. And originally that was part of the northern kingdom. Men came from Bethel seeking favor from the Lord. So they wanted to, they wanted to answer. They wanted to know what they needed to do. They wanted guidance. They raised the issue concerning whether they should continue to fast in the fifth month. Well, we actually read, read a little bit further, they fasted in the seventh month as well. Okay? So they're asking the question, should we continue to fast in the fifth month? Now, why are they fasting? Well, we're going to find out, especially as we go through, 
that when they were deported, when they went into exile, 70 years beforehand, the people, maybe through some spiritual leadership at the time, decided to fast on a periodic schedule. And they were fasting for God to what? Bring them back to the land, restore them, and so forth. So they'd been fasting for many years, okay? Whoever this person is that's making the uh, request, he, all he says for these many years, so we don't know how long he's been fasting. He may have picked it up from somebody else, but they've been doing this for 70 years. They, appoint, they pointed out that they maintain the practice of fasting for many years, okay? So some people get into a habit. They get into a discipline where this is what they do on certain times, okay? So do you guys know who Charles and John Wesley are? John Wesley? Does anybody know who John Wesley is? Okay. We sometimes sing their hymns. Well, we don't, we don't anymore, but, but their hymns are in the hymnal, and uh, they are the founders of Wesleyanism or Methodism, okay? So John Wesley is the founder of Methodism. And when he first started, the ministers, the pastors, the preachers under him were to fast two or three times a week. It was required that they fast two or three times a week. So these folks were in this practice on the fifth month and on the seventh month, they fasted, okay? Now, through the prophet, the Lord asked, whom did they fast, for whom did they fast during the last 70 years? So who was it for? That's the question. Who's it for? That's a really great question. He's asking him, why are you fasting? Who are you doing it for? Why do you think that's a good question? Well, I can tell you why I think it is. Do you think it's a good question? Okay, are they doing it for themselves or are they doing it for God? Okay, anybody else? Could this kind of question have relevance to you and I? How? How can it have relevance? Okay, or, okay, so, but even with what you just said, is that for the Lord or for you? Yes, that's what, that is one, one of the things that is attributed to fasting, John. Yes, another one would be is that you are giving up something to focus on God. You know what I'm saying? It's a time where you are giving up the basic needs of your life to focus on the Lord and have him sustain you. So, yeah, what you just said is correct, and there are other reasons that are given for fasting. But he's saying, who are you fasting for? Because... Think about what they're fasting for. They started fasting when what happened? Trouble happened, and specifically, what kind of trouble? Yeah, so they went into what? Exile. They were carried away as prisoners to Babylon, to a foreign land for 70 years, 
Everything they knew, the temple, Jerusalem, is all destroyed. So they begin fasting. And, and, and they begin fasting for God to what? Yeah, restore. Restore them back to the land. Restore the land. Restore the kingdom and everything. Now, I think it's interesting because the Lord's saying, okay, now are all those things that we're talking about here bad things to be fasting for? With fasting, obviously, is praying. Are those bad things to be focusing on? No, no, but here's what the Lord is saying. So they're doing this for 70 years. They're in this ritual. Now they're back in the land. The guy, this guy is naturally going to ask, do we need to keep doing this? You know, do we need to keep doing this? And then God's saying, okay, why are you doing it? Who are you doing it for? Okay, that's good, good, Tim. All right. All right, so did everybody catch what Tim's saying? He's saying, like, if you're going to stop fasting, if you want to stop fasting, why were you doing it? Like, why were you doing it? Okay, so now that you got it, you're back here. You know what I'm saying? You're back in the land. The temple's being rebuilt. We're starting all over. Why were you doing this? Who were you doing this for? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You got your answer. And I think... I think if we think about that for a moment, that really, um, that really changes things. Do, do you know what I'm saying? It really changes, what do you mean it changes things, George? Well, let me, let me get my phone here for a minute. I posted a picture on the uh, church app. It was a quote that I read from uh, Oswald Chambers. This is what Oswald Chambers said in My Utmost for His Highest. The point of prayer is not to get answers from God, but to have perfect and complete oneness with him. So this is the reason why we pray. The prayer, the prayer isn't just to go get something from him. It's to have the relationship. Here's what he said. If we pray only because we want answers, we will become irritated and angry with God. Now, why, why, why do you think he says that? Why would we become irritated and angry at God if the only reason we're going is to get an answer? Yeah, that's exactly right, John. Does he answer all our prayers? No, no, the basis... Now, he wants us to come and talk to him. So, was George saying I shouldn't go to him and ask him things? No, no. The basis is you have a relationship with him and... You want, then you can, yeah, of course you can ask, but have the relationship with him. So for instance, if I had a child that only came to me and asked me of stuff, but never wanted to spend time with me, never, how would I feel? How would you feel? Do you know what I'm saying? That the only thing that comes out of the mouth is gimme, 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 but they won't have dinner with you. They don't have a coffee. They don't want to sit down and talk with you. They don't want to find out how your day is or, or just, how, how would you feel? Oh, I'd be fine, George. No, how would you feel, literally? What's that? No, 
Okay, that's good, Bruce. Yes. So, personally, how would you feel then? Yeah, not happy. What did you say, Mike? Neglected. So, here's the point is, yeah, so how do you think God feels? And so he's saying to them, who are you fasting for? Wow. I mean, that, that's a wow, crazy. I, yeah, it is a crazy question, but I mean, it's, man, only the Lord would think that way. So he also asks, who were they eating and drinking for? This point, just to reiterate the point, it was for you. So Rob, did you have breakfast this morning at 2 or 3 o'clock? Okay, so... Who'd you do that for? Yeah, you got up and you were hungry, right? Yeah. That, that's, that's the point the Lord's making. You do it for you. It's, it's, it's because of you, not because of me. So he points out that the former prophets warned Jerusalem against empty ritual practices. So that's what he's doing here in verse 7. He's saying, the former prophets spoke to this. It's this mindless, meaningless ritual. Just engaging in stuff without realizing who you're, who you're talking with, the former prophets. And it didn't do well, did it? Okay? It didn't do well. So look with me now at verses 8 through 14. Of chapter 7. And then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgment, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. And let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears that they might not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. As I called, and they would not hear, so they called, and I would not hear. says the Lord of hosts. I scattered them with the whirlwind among the nations that they had not known. Thus the land they left was desolate. And so that no one went to and fro and the present pleasant land was made desolate. All right, so here's, here's what the Lord is saying here. So first of all, through the prophets, so this is the former prophets before Zechariah. What prophets? Well, think about all the minor prophets we've studied so far, okay? Through the prophets, the Lord tells the people to render true judgments, okay? Render true judgments. Remember, before they weren't rendering true judgments. What were they doing? They were doing whatever kind of judgment that would benefit who? Mainly the wealthy or whatever, they were to show kindness and mercy to each other. All right? So they were to, how they were to treat each other was to be kind and, and to be merciful. They were not to, to oppress others, 
and not despise evil towards another person in their hearts. And when they talk about oppression here, look at the group that he's looking at here. He's saying, don't oppress the widow, the fatherless, that's children, and the sojourner. Anybody know what a sojourner is? A foreigner, yes. Like, well, yeah, a foreigner, an immigrant, okay? And the poor. Don't oppress them, all right? And don't devise evil towards another person in their hearts. Don't be scheming in your heart how to get back at somebody or do wrong to somebody, okay? Now, the Lord points out that the fathers refused to hear and hardened their hearts. They refused to hear. And, and, and to make a point of how they refused to hear, he, he uses two illustrations here. He uses the illustration of they turned a shoulder. That's the only time I've read this so far in the scripture where it describes people as turning a shoulder. What, what does that mean? What do you think that means? Turn your back. So like, okay, let's say John's talking to me and I'm just kind of like, you know, like I don't want to hear him. You know, I turn my back on him. Is that a slight? Yeah, it's a slight to God. Okay, they, they turn their back. Not only that, they stop their ears. No, 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 no. You know, they're just, I'm not hearing you. I'm not listening. Did you say something, you know? Like a five-year-old kid. That's it, right, you know what I'm saying? So, and then they, and then here's another one. He describes his heart as being diamond hard. Whoa, that's hard, isn't it? What's Diamonds are one of the hardest substances in the world. Interesting, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? So he points out, this, he's telling them, I want you to do this, I want you to be this way. Because think about the things he was telling them to do. Was it, were they bad things? No, they were the way they were supposed to be with each other, right? And they refused. So, they hardened themselves lest they respond to the law and the word of the Lord. They didn't want to listen. They just refused lest they respond. Therefore the Lord became angry and scattered them among the nations. So yeah, we already know that. He took them away. First the northern kingdom to Assyria. Then Judah with Benjamin to Babylon. Scattered them in his anger. And as they were scattered, the land became desolate. Yeah, the land became desolate. Now, we get to chapter 8, and we're still discussing this issue of fasting. You say, are we talking about fasting? Because he doesn't seem like he is. Oh, no, he's talking about fasting. Because he's talking about why are you doing what you're doing? And he pointed out some things here that talked about their heart. So now, when we get to chapter 8, he's going to talk about the coming restoration. Okay? Again, the promise for the future. All right? So I want you to notice with me, we're going to take this section by section. He's going to focus on a renewed relationship. Look with me at verses 1 to 8 of chapter 8. And the word of the Lord of hosts came, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Zion with a great jealousy, and I am jealous for her with great wrath. Thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion, and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, 
And Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts, old men and old women shall sit shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with a staff in their hand because of great age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets. Thus says the Lord of hosts, if it is marvelous in the sight of the remnant of the people in those days, should it also be marvelous in my sight, declares the Lord of hosts. Thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them to dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in faithfulness and in righteousness. So this is talking about a renewed relationship here. All right, so let's take a look at this. First of all, the Lord expresses that he is jealous for Israel with a great jealousy and a great wrath. What do you think that great... I can understand the great jealousy. Can you? Like, I'm jealous for you. But with a great wrath, what do you think that means? I'm jealous for you with a great wrath. Well, not angry about them. Okay, what they did, okay, but I don't think so, Gene. I don't think that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about that he's jealous for Zion. He's jealous for them, and he's jealous with a jealousy. We understand that part, but the great wrath, that's something else here. He's going to make it right. Okay, that's right. Good, John. But when he's talking about with a great wrath, what do you think? Yes, against their enemies. He is, he is not just jealous for them, but he's in his jealousy is going to express great what? Wrath towards those who would hinder them or hurt them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, a protective wrath. That's exactly right, okay? He, he's, he's like protective and ready to, like, like ready to pounce because somebody's coming after them. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Do you, know, do you know what I mean? So that's what he's expressing here. All right, let's go on. He states that he has returned to Zion and will dwell within Jerusalem. Now, Zion, what do you think Zion refers to? Anybody know? Let me help you. Have you heard of Mount Zion? Have you heard that phrase, Mount Zion? Yeah, what does that refer to? Mount Zion is located where? In Jerusalem. And what was on Mount Zion? I hear whispers. Huh? What would you say, Rob? Okay, say it out loud so even so that Bruce can hear you over there, okay? The temple. The temple, okay? <laughs> the temple, okay? So he is saying, I've returned to Zion, Mount Zion. I'm back. And I will dwell in Jerusalem. That's what he's saying here. The city shall be called a faithful city and the mountain of the Lord, the holy mountain. Now, what's the mountain of the Lord? We just talked about it. Zion, yes, where the temple is, the mount, the temple mount. 
and it shall be called a what? A holy mountain. The city shall be called a faithful city. So he's describing what Jerusalem is going to be like. You say, well, it's not like that now. Yes, I understand that. The city will be a place for the elderly and children. It'll be a safe place now. Because remember, before it wasn't a safe place. Remember, the other prophets, when they talked about the sins of Judah, they talked about what? Their violence. It's a violent place. And we understand that, right? You know, like if, if I have a love, one of my kids are going to travel to somewhere, and they're like, oh, I'm going over here, Dad. I get nervous because I read about over there in the news. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I get nervous. Why? Because I'm nervous for their safety. But he's saying when God shows back up, who's going to be in the streets? The elderly and the kids, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a time of peace and security. The Lord will regather his people to Jerusalem from all over the world. Now, specifically, he mentions from the east and the west. Where do you think he's talking about there? What's to the east? Think about, let's say I'm Israel. This is the Mediterranean. To the east, right over a desert, is a place where they spent 70 years. Where do they spend 70 years at? Huh? Disneyland? Where, where, where did they go? Babylon. Okay, I mean, have we forgotten all? Babylon, okay? So he's going to gather them from Babylon. To the west is another country, if you just go down to the southwest, another country that they fled with Moses, Egypt. You say, what do you mean he's gathering them from Egypt? Well, if you at the end of Jeremiah... A group of those who are left in, in Israel and Judah at the time go to the prophet and say, find out from the Lord, does he want us to stay here or can we go to Egypt? And they come back and they look for an answer and Jeremiah said, you already made up your mind. The Lord says you've already made up your mind. If you stay here, you'll be okay. If you go there, you'll die. So they went and guess who they took with them? Jeremiah. To Egypt. Okay? To Egypt. And so he says, I'm going to gather you from the west and from the east, from all over the world. Now, it's interesting. If you know anything about history, the Jews during that time who went to Egypt, some of them migrated up the Nile River. Does anybody know where the source of the Nile is? There's two sources, but one of the sources, what country is it? Think about it for a moment. They're in the news lately. I'll get, help you. Ethiopia. The Blue Nile and the White Nile. The Blue Nile is, is and, and that's been one of the frictions between Egypt and Ethiopia right now is they're talking about putting a dam on, a hydroelectric dam on the Nile. But why am I bringing up Ethiopia? Well, those Jews went up the Nile into Ethiopia and established a community there, and they became Ethiopian Jews. And do you remember back in the 80s? Can you guys remember the 80s? Okay. In the 80s, Israel did a great big evacuation around the time of the Ethiopian famine. They did a great big evacuation of, of 
of a significant portion of the Ethiopian Jews back to Israel. Okay? Back to Israel. Isn't that interesting? But here we see a prophecy where the Lord is saying that he'll regather his people from all over the world, from the east, specifically to them it would be Babylon, and from the west, which would be Egypt, okay? Now, those who are hearing these words of the prophets are to be encouraged. You're to be encouraged, okay? You're to be encouraged. Now, actually, I've, I've kind of got, let's go to chapter verse 9 through 17. Here's what he says. Thus says the Lord of hosts, let your hands be strong, that you, you who in, this, in these days will be hearing these words from the mouth of the prophets who were present on the day that the, found, that on the, day that the foundation of the Lord of hosts was laid. What prophets? We've already studied one of them, Haggai. The other prophet is Zechariah. He's saying, listen to them. Be encouraged by them. All right? For before those days, there was no wage for man or any wage for beast. Neither was there any safety from foe, foe from, for him who came out and came in. For I set every man against his neighbor. But now I will not deal with the remnant of these this people as in the former days, declares the Lord of hosts. There shall be a sowing of peace. The vine shall give its fruit, and the ground shall give its produce, and the heavens shall give their due. I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all things. And as you have been a byword of cursing among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so I will save you. And you shall be a blessing, and fear not, but let your hands be strong. For thus says the Lord of hosts, I purpose to bring disaster to you when you provoked, when your fathers provoked me to wrath. And I did not relent, says the Lord of hosts. So again, I have purposed in these days to bring good to Jerusalem, to the house of Judah. Fear not. These are the things that you shall do. Speak truth to one another, render at your gates judgments that are true, and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. Love, no false oath, for all these things I hate, declares the Lord. Okay, so let's take a look here. He's going to talk about the Lord's message here. First of all, he says those who are hearing these words of the prophets are to be encouraged. All right? The Lord states that he will not deal with the remnant as he did in former days. How did he deal with the remnant in 40 former days? He was upset with them. What did he do with them? Sent them away in exile. He says, I'm not going to do that with you guys. Just like I purposed to send them in exile, I have purposed to do good to you. Isn't that an awesome thing for God to say, I've determined I'm going to do good for you. That's pretty good, right? All right. The remnant will no longer be a cursing among the nations, but shall be a blessing. Okay? Wow. Just as he purposed to punish their fathers, he will bring good to Jerusalem and Judah. And he once again reiterates the commands that he gave to their fathers. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Didn't we just read these same commands earlier? Because he said earlier, the former prophets told you to do this. 
And what did they do? They turned their back, they stopped their ears, they hardened their hearts. Now the Lord says, you're back, you're going to do good, I'm going to do good to you, but here's what I want you to do. The same things. Nothing's changed. I want you to do what's right towards each other. The same things, I want you to do what's right towards each other. So then that brings us to the final five verses. Chapter 8, verse 18 through 23. You say, George, but we're not talking about fasting. I mean, I thought we were supposed to look at fasting. Okay, look here. And the word of the Lord of hosts came, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth, the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth shall be to the house of Judah seasons of joy and gladness and cheerful feast. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. Thus says the Lord of hosts, people shall come, even inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Many peoples and strong nations shall come and seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Wow. So this is obviously future, right? So let's take a look here. The Lord stated that the scheduled fast will become seasons of joys and feasts. There's going to be a time when you don't need to fast anymore. Your scheduled times of fasting no longer need to happen because there are going to be times of what? Joy and feasts. Therefore, the people are encouraged to what? Love, peace, and truth. Love, peace, and truth. People from many nations will come and seek the Lord in Jerusalem. Now, that's not happening right now. It's not happening right now. In fact, it's going to be like they're going to grab a hold of a Jew and because they recognize the special place that that Jew has with the Lord, hey, we know that God is with you. Isn't that, that's, that's, that doesn't happen today, does it? You know what I'm saying? That's the way it's going to be in the future. Okay, guys, next week we're going to keep plugging on and uh, we're going to focus again on some messages concerning the future. We're going to try and get through Zechariah. I'm hoping to get it done in one week, but I may, may have to divide it into two weeks because we've got chapters 9 through chapter 14.